You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. It is absolutely fascinating to me how God chooses and gifts people for the work that he desires to accomplish in this world. Verse two, I've chosen Bezalel. I've filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge. Verse six, I've appointed Holiab, son of Ahishamak, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I've given skill to all the craftsmen. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that churches don't just run themselves. Most churches have a worship team, children's ministry, a prayer ministry, and many other ministries. So let's assume that there's five people in at least three ministries. That's 15 people every single Sunday morning. But how does all of that get done? Well, God calls people to the ministry. But not only does he call people to the ministry, he also gifts them accordingly. God gives the gifts and the talents that are necessary for each ministry in the church. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 31 as he begins his message, The Tabernacle, A Completed Work. Chapter 31, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship, Moreover, I've appointed that guy, Aholib, Aholiab, son of that fella of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given him, uh, I've given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I've commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priest, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. It is absolutely fascinating to me how God chooses and gifts people for the work that he desires to accomplish in this world. I note one more time, verse two, I've chosen Bezalel. I've filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge. Verse six, I've appointed 
Aholiab, son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I've given skill to all the craftsmen. God did it. You know, even the unbeliever, um, creative abilities, um, artistic abilities, whatever abilities they might be, the Bible makes it clear they are given to us by our Creator. And for those, of course, that have responded uh, to the message of the tabernacle, it's the message of the gospel, um, then God will take those people who have been redeemed, and he wants to use them, and abilities and skill and giftings that he gives them for now a heavenly purpose, because here's a great verse. Uh, Say it with me, come on. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's amazing to me. In advance. God planned works for me, Danny Hodges. That's just incredible. For you. He planned works for you. They're unique to the works he planned for me in in some ways. In some ways. Uh, You can... Turn with me if you like, and at least write it down, a great psalm, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. A tremendous, tremendous psalm. Listen to what verse 13 says. For you, God, created me, uh, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. It went from when you were conceived in your mother's womb to even before you were conceived. God knew you. God knew me. And then he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. It's not the Bible. God has a record. God wrote down a plan for you, for me. Fascinating stuff. So he has works for us to do. It's an individual work. Paul the apostle said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He's talking very personally here. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, all of us are called in some way to that task. Paul gets more personal Uh, In this scripture, he said, I'd been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Oh, every time he got a chance, he would preach to the Jews. But his primary calling, which is interesting, God doesn't do things the way I would do them. The most likely guy to go to the Jews logically would be Saul of Tarsus, Pharisee, Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, in regard to legalistic righteousness, flawless. I mean, there's the guy. If you want a guy to reach the Jews, there's a guy. But that's not what God's plan was. God called him primarily to the Gentiles, and Peter primarily to the Jews. And Peter would be the most least likely guy to me logically. Look how many mistakes he made. Look how many times he got that 13-sized foot in his mouth. Look how many times he even counseled Jesus, and Jesus had to rebuke him. Peter? But God doesn't do it the way I would do it. 
God's sovereign choice of you, of me, and the path he has for us. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, uh, it's from Psalm 40. It's a messianic psalm, uh, Psalm 40. And so this is taken from Psalm 40, but I chose to take it from Hebrews 10, where the writer of the Hebrews uh, quotes it, and it's about Jesus. And it says, in the volume of the book, this is Christ speaking, prophetic, even before he was the person, Jesus. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. The red letter line all the way through the Bible, listen, is Christ. When you get to the New Testament, it's Jesus Christ. Same being, but that being didn't take on human flesh until the Virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Christ, all through the Old Testament, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Uh, Real quick, Luke's gospel, right at the end, Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection, um, verse 27, those two on the road to Emmaus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Same chapter, you jump down when he appeared to the disciples, and he says in verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I could get more detail. Let me give you just a quick uh, summary that's not as detailed as you could be. He's the seed of the woman in Genesis chapter 3. He's Melchizedek. At least Melchizedek, I believe Melchizedek is Christ. That's my personal conviction. He's at least a type of Christ. In Genesis 14, Abram gives him a tenth of all the spoils. He's the sacrifice, Abraham offering his one and only son, a miracle son, Isaac, on Mount Moriah, which is geographically where Mount Calvary was. He's the Passover lamb of Exodus. He's the prophet likened to Moses in Deuteronomy. He's the rock that accompanied the Israelites all through the wilderness wanderings, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He's Joshua. That's his name, really, Jesus. New Testament is Old Testament name Joshua, Yahshua. Yahweh is salvation. That's what it means. He's Joshua. The law came by Moses, and Moses had to pass on, and the covenant of law, because Moses can never lead us into the land of promise. Who led the children of Israel into the land of promise? It was Joshua. The prophecies in the Psalms, full about Jesus. He's the child of the virgin in Isaiah 7. He's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace in Isaiah 9. He's the branch from the stump of Jesse. That's his human heritage, Isaiah 11. He's the humble and compassionate servant in Isaiah 42. He will not shout or cry out. His voice you will not hear in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In Isaiah 53, he's the suffering servant. Despised and rejected by men, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And in Isaiah 61, he's the one the Spirit has anointed to preach good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. That's just a summary. We could spend all night and more on a more detailed look at Jesus in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. 
He's the red line. Throughout the whole book in the volume of the book. The message of the tabernacle, I hope you caught this, the message of the tabernacle is the message of the Messiah, the message of the Christ. There's only one entrance. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You must come first by sacrifice, and it has to be a sufficient sacrifice. If you have a sufficient sacrifice, you go the next step to the basin of washing, and you're cleansed. And the sufficient sacrifice for the cleansing that would take us into the holy of holies was not made until Jesus died, shed his blood on the cross. That's the message of the tabernacle. It's the message of the Messiah. It's the message of the opportunity for reconciliation with God, who we've been estranged from, who we walked away from. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the message of the tabernacle. And every one of us have an individual work, a calling, that when we have opportunity, we're to share this message. It's the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. There are people that God will put in your life and has put in your life that he will never put in my life. Listen, there are people that God has put and will put in your life that you'll never get under this roof until after they're saved, perhaps. Nothing wrong with inviting people to church. Nothing wrong with that at all. Certainly not. But most people aren't going to come. So don't wait for them to come to church before sharing with them. God wants to use you. Me, all of us, we're all called to be missionaries. And so there's an individual work. But there's also a corporate work. I'm not going to get into these in detail, but Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Exodus 31. I've chosen this guy, Bezalel. I've filled him with my spirit. I've gifted him. I chose this guy, and I've gifted him. And then I chose some others, and I gave them ability as craftsmen. Hey, same thing in the New Testament. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Prophesying, serving, teaching. They tell me one of my gifts is teaching. I guess it may be true. Encouraging, contributing to the needs of others, or giving uh, leadership or governing. And all these are for the kingdom of God. All these are for a heavenly purpose. Are you with me? It's not uh, governing so you can get that position. It doesn't mean God won't use that gifting in terms of a, a secular uh, workplace kind of deal. But these giftings go beyond that. It's for eternal purposes. 1 Corinthians 12, not going to turn to that. A uh, different set of giftings where the Holy Spirit comes upon us for the moment. Gifts of wisdom, knowledge, healing, uh, wisdom, discerning of spirits, etc., etc. And God gives us those for the moment at a time when he just wants to do something uh, for that moment. Then you go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 uh, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God gave leadership to the body. Hopefully, hopefully in some way, my teaching gift helps prepare us for the work, works. 
that God has called us to. Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body, the whole body, joined together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now there's a universal church. God knows those who are his. And God looks down and he knows uh, no matter where they might be, those who are his. There is a universal church. But the universal church is identified uh, humanly speaking and biblically by local churches where God-ordained leadership is set up. The biblical definition of a church uh, it's not just where two or three people are together. You know, you're hanging out on the pier and you say, well, we're a church. Wait a minute. Take all the scriptures and put them together. God ordained leadership. God gave leaders and pastors. And, and, it's, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a system, if you will, in terms of leadership and oversight. It's not just Christians getting together to sing and hang out on the dock. Are you with me? If you're not with me, okay, you're, not, you're either with me or you're not with me. If you're not with me, I'm leaving you behind. There you go. So God has called the church. And the church, look, God knows the universal church, but the church is identified. All throughout the New Testament, you have the church here and the church there. And even in, even in uh, locales like Ephesus and others, there were churches that met in different places. And God looked at it as all the church of Ephesus, but it was identified by these local congregations. It's the same today. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's the parable of the talents, as it's called, as the master gives five talents to one and two talents to another and then one talent to a third and then he comes back after being away uh, to see what they've done with the talents they've been given. And the one I call our attention to is the one who was given the one talent. Verse 24, then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering when you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. He gets a shocking reply from the master. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. God spoke to me years ago, and I have a very strong conviction about that scripture. I think it's, sure, sure, it's plain, but God made it extra plain to me a few years ago. In regard to the work that God has called us all to, there is an individual work, and the individual work uh, overall involves being a witness in the world, and we're, whenever we have an opportunity, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there's a corporate work, and the corporate work is lived out and worked out through local churches. And it's the same calling, to be a witness in the world, and as we have opportunity uh, in doing good works, to share the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. With that said, that parable that Jesus told, and the wicked, lazy servant, here's what God said to me very clearly years ago. The least, the least we can do is give to the local church, let me say it again, give to the Lord through the local church 
so that the local church becomes an investment for the kingdom of heaven to do God's work. And if we're not at least giving to the Lord through the local church, we're not even doing the least. Now, a lot of churches, I come from Baptist denomination. And let me tell you what, uh, you give money in the Baptist denomination, at least what I was a part of, you can become a board member pretty quickly. Sometimes they view it as that's the most you can do. I mean, if you're a faithful giver, it's like, whoa, you can become a leader in this church. And that's what I used to think. That's what I used to think until the revelation here and other places as well, where God looks down and he says, look, that's not the most you can do. That's the least you can do. Now, if you think I'm setting you up, my responsibility is to teach the text. I went to the workshop Alistair Begg did at our 6-4 Fellowship National Conference out in Colorado, and he did a great workshop. And, and one of his points that I took home, I already knew the point, but boy, it was great to get it reiterated, and it was just fresh in my mind. And he talked about the responsibility, and his whole workshop was on uh, preaching and teaching the Word of God. And one of the points he made, he, he pulled a whiteboard out, uh, and he drew uh, a box, and he put an F in it. And he said, this stands for framework. He says, every preacher, every teacher has a framework to their message. Then below it, he put another box, and he put a T in it. And he said, this is uh, a T for the text. And he said, a lot of times, somebody's framework will be larger than the text. And he gave examples of that. Theological persuasions where you limit the text by the framework of your theology. And so you're not going to teach the text sometimes for exactly what the text says. I didn't have this in my notes. I guess I'm just using this and it came to me. But listen, listen. He said, what you want always is a big T and a little F. You want to find out what the text says. I heard him again the other day in a message, and he was saying uh, how sometimes you go to a Bible study, and they'll share a scripture, and then they'll go around, and, and then somebody will say, well, this is what it means to me. And he said, wait a minute. That's not the place to start. What does the text teach? Now, why am I saying that? Well, what I just said about the least we can do in terms of investing in the work of God through the local church that's the least we can do? Go back to our text in Exodus. Go back to Exodus. And now jump over to chapter 35. We started with God saying, I've chosen this guy, filled him with my spirit, given him skill, and he's going to be able to make this. And I've given this guy ability here, and he'll be able to make this. I've given these guys skill, and they'll be able to make those things. So God got all the giftings needed for the work that he wants to do. And then chapter 35, verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece.
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of Exodus, Pastor Danny has been helping you see that God continually looks out for His people. When you think about God, do you see Him looking out for your protection and provision simply because He loves you? God persistently cares about the things going on in your life, from the smallest details to the really big deal events. We hope that's an encouragement to you. God's aware of the things going on in your life, and He's looking to bring about resolution to the chaos. Keep trusting Him and keep connecting with Him through the Bible and through prayer. If you want to hear this teaching in Exodus again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Sermons tab. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading plan. You'll find it under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, come join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.